Hello and welcome back to another episode of the View from the Lab podcast. I'm your host, Andy Woods. What a treat we have in store for you today. In today's episode, friend of the show, Dr. Andy Gravatt, returns to tell us all about his biology masterwork known as the Moss Safari. What's that, I hear you cry? Well, it's a unique way to get your students into discovering the glorious organisms that are hidden within the humble clump of moss that's possibly just rolled off your roof. I talked to Andy about the what's, the why's, and most importantly, the how's of starting your very own moss safari with your own students. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to uh, Dr. Andy Gravatt. Welcome back to the View from the Lab podcast. It's great to have you on again. Thank you very much. Good to see you. Um, it's nice to see. We had a few technical issues earlier on in the, uh, the pod, but we're kind of hopefully uh, uh, hearing each other okay now. Um, now, those who are kind of keen listeners of the pod may have listened to an episode of Andy in um, a few months back now. Um, please do check that one out. Um, I've not just invited him back just because he's lovely, um, but I've also invited him back because he is a true science guru and he's been uh, doing various things. He's always very busy, I know, um, but I saw on many social media posts uh, over the past few months as well, work he's been doing in the in the biology sphere. And he has been uh, kind of working on something called Moss Safari, uh, which sounds like um, so intriguing. I just felt like I had to get in contact with him and have a have a quick chat about what, what it's all about, where he got the idea from and um, how kind of science teachers can use it in their own classrooms. So let's get straight to it. Um, could you just give us a quick overview um, of what is the what is the big idea of Moss Safari, Andy? Okay, so Moss Safari is a guided tour through a microscopic habitat, uh, which is moss. And um, it might not sound exciting, but actually everybody who goes on one, it comes out um, sort of in awe of what they've seen. So basically, I use a light microscope and a USB camera. I do them all line or I do them live with a screen behind me. And um, I take three drops of water from some moss, um, just squeeze it out of the moss. You get take three drops, pop them in onto a slide and the journey begins. And um, I've developed it now so that we have certain things to look for in a way that is a safari. So you have the big five when you go on an African safari. We have the big five um, multicellular organisms that we look for, um, which are moss mites, rotifers, nematodes, tardigrades, which is the favourite, and gastriches, which um, people don't know much about. And on that journey, we could see any of them or none of them. Usually we see at least one or two of them. And there's lots of other things swimming past and doing things that I can t- tell you about as your guide. Um, the big idea behind it is it gives teachers something to be able to look for with their students and students something to look for when they do it themselves, which is the whole idea eventually. So is it something that you say you can do it online? So are you beaming yourself into classrooms across the nation and doing it per class or is it... How does it work? Obviously, you say you sometimes you're there in person, sometimes you're not. How does that online version work? So the online version happened because of uh, COVID. It was a COVID keeper, if you like. Um, it was one of those things that we, um, I, I always did, started it out with my trainees because um, I trained teachers at University of Brighton. And um, we'd done it live a couple of years before. But then we thought, well, can we still do this on online when we teach them online? So I, that was my first trial. And it was so successful 
that now um, I offer the online version. I've done it for the ASC, the Association for Science Education. I've done it for a regional group of um, the Royal Society of Biology um, and a few other things as well. So um, I can do the online version. It works very well. And people seem to be engaged for a good hour, hour and a half in the whole thing, um, all ages, from um, primary school up to retired people. It seems everybody gets involved. I have to do a family version now, um, which people can um, get me to come along and do for their organisation. Okay, so it's kind of, um, is it linked to, which organisation is linked to? Is it linked to your, you know, your, your teacher training, um, or is it linked to the ASE? Who is, is there somebody else kind of um, supporting you in it? Or is it? No, well, everybody supports me in their enthusiasm, but it's me, it's my hobby that's turned into something a little bit more, um, a little bit more than a hobby. So I'm sort of, it's my intersection between being a, um, being a teacher being an educator and um, having a fascination for for these things, the two come together. I want the world to know about it, and so I, I take any opportunity I can get. Now, um, in terms of the age group, is it something you can kind of tailor from like year seven to year thirty in terms of what what they what they get out of it, or is it more of a kind of key stage three thing? Is there anything any kind of particular you know ages that you think is is more suited to try with? So I have now tried it with primary school, um, years four and six, and in secondary school, um, years eight, nine and ten, and I'm yet to do the um, post-16, but I'm doing a, a little a little project, if that's the right word. I'm doing some research into the stuff that will um, work with post-16, um, particularly linking to the biology spec um, um, of A-level. Um, so I'm working on that at the moment, but the one I do for um, the... Um, for primary school is looking at adaptations, um, quite simple adaptations of the organisms we look at. So um, that's the focus of that. That's what I've been asked to go in and do. And so when we're talking about each of the organisms you see, we see, we can talk about the adaptations to that, that level. And the interesting thing is I can see exactly the same organism um, in each of these different things and talk to it to the level that we need to for the curriculum that we, we are um, you know, hoping to, to work. So, you know, we're working with. So, um, but there's this underlying thing, um, which is the, the awe and wonder of science. It's okay to not to know that science is not yet done. And the organisms we see under there, there's research being done on all these organisms now. Tardigrades, for example, um, are new discoveries every year of new species. Um, so um, when we see these things, um, we can. I explain this to the whoever's watching, but I want the children I'm talking to, for them to know that science is for them, something they can go out and do themselves. They could get a microscope and do this themselves already right now, or they could get a career out of it if they so wish. Now, I'm going to ask you a specific question about, I hope I probably pronounced this correctly, because um, I'm no biologist, t tardigrades, is that yeah, correct? Yeah, that is correct. Now, my understanding, and I might be wrong, are, are tardigrades um, kind of used to or, or can survive in extreme environments is that correct it is now weirdly all the organisms we see in moss are um some form of extremophile they can cope with extreme conditions mainly drying out um it's the big thing dehydration but tardigrades are the well-known ones that can survive in space they can survive um radiation um and they can survive uh, we've actually got some on the moon um, which uh, fell out of a, um, a, a crashed satellite that went up there, a probe went up 
there. Um, they've been up on some of the, they're up on the space station. They do experiments with them, space station. They are one of the most resilient organisms on Earth. Um, and that's because they do this thing. They turn into a ton. They have a ton state where they just turn, um, they just dehydrate basically and just contract in on themselves. Um, and then when they're in that state, they can survive, it seems, most things we throw at them, including um, shooting from a gun. For some reason, there's a whole paper on that that somebody decided we'll just shoot some from a gun and see if they survive that. Um, sadly, when they're alive, um, well, when they're not in a ton state, they're, they're quite squashable, um, as I found out to my sadness. Um, occasionally under the slide, they, they might, they will squash. So, um, yeah, they're quite fragile when they're not in their ton state. Yeah, I can imagine because uh, they are. They, I remember seeing some electro um, microscope version uh, um, images of them. They, they yeah. look very strange, don't they? It's hard to describe them. I would say, like, uh, I don't know. How do you describe them, Andy? Well, lots of people call them moss piglets because they've got a little snout that comes yeah. out that they eat with. So the way I, I, they are the cute. They are cute for some reason. There's something that attracts our, our sort of whatever our cute response is because they move like they're in slow motion. Um, it's almost like they're moonwalking. They've got this sort of slow motion walk with eight legs. They've got two two main one, two at the back, and then these um, the, then the other six just down the side of this quite podgy body. They've got mm. long claws on each of the, uh, and that's one of the ways we identify different ones by the shapes of those claws. And then sometimes they have these two little red eyes that are a single cell each, just on the top of their podgy little head, and they mm. just are. They look like they're waving at you under the microscope. They're just very. They're just very endearing. Um, so, so kids love them and, and adults alike. And there's whole websites and uh, social media just on, on tardigrades. People are mad for them. And um, I assume because you've been in the schools, of course, if you're a biology teacher, what equipment do you need? Do you just need a bog standard school microscope and a slide? Is that all you need or is, or is that too simplistic? No, that's secondary schools um, have the right equipment that it's easy to do. So if you use your standard Keystone 3 uh, light microscope with times 40 and times 10, you need um, ideally a microscope with, uh, no, not microscope, slides with the well in them. You can get little ones with a concave um, well. Um, Some people call them dimple slides. And uh, you just need a uh, cover slip on top of that. And you just need some moss you can squeeze. I've got a more sophisticated way of doing the moss squeeze so you can get more organisms in your drops by by filtering out as much water as you can and just having the the um if you like moss juice concentrated so you can see more things under each drop but um you know i've got lots of different ways of doing it which um i've got on my website that people can download and use so um it's uh yeah but basically you don't need a lot of equipment i mean the microscope's the biggest biggest uh um sort of cost um but once you've got one of those it's very easy to do to and thinking about obviously um, you're based in the UK um, I know I, I see a lot of moss about you know, as, I'm, as, as I walk around the world but are there any better places for moss than others is there obviously there's a lot, a lot of moss on my roof of my house but um, uh, where is there any particular region of the UK that's, that's good or, or where is the best place to find a bit of moss uh, in your local area? <laughs> well, that's the most about, I mean, all my sort of the, the sort of researchy bit I do, which is the loosest sense of the phrase, but I 
I've got to know my roof moss really well because I have all the little cushions fall down. What I want to do is get a bit more systematic about which side of the roof it's come down on because that would de de define the different types of organisms that are in it. So there's a lot of whether it's south-facing, north-facing, stuff like that. But you can find moss anywhere. A new species of tardigrade was found in a Japanese car park. It's moss there. I was so. Um, but what I think something you can do at school very easily is take some from a more polluted area like the side of a road or a pavement near a road to a bit more less polluted area i'd love to get schools together that are in very sort of leafy countrysides compared with um people who live in the city and try and compare the the, the organisms that are living in their mosses there that would be a good way to see but these are all bioindicators a lot of the stuff uh, um the things that live in there are bioindicators things like diatoms which you see a lot of in there which are little glass shelled organisms basically um and they themselves will indicate the type of um, environment you're you're in and you can use them in ice cores and other peak cores and things like that to find out about um, our previous climates so it's kind of as you say it must be, it will be interesting to see if you um you say compared yeah urban environments with um kind of uh, rural environments and i guess you get moss everywhere in the uk i assume because it's, it's wet enough you know it's going to be fine wherever we are it's all over the world. I've just been to the Caribbean because I'm very lucky like that. And I saw so, <laughs> so much moss, including in Miami. I was in a very dirty car park um, for some strange reason. Um, and um, just along the sides there, there was all this moss growing. Obviously, I couldn't bring it home. You had to stop. You had to stop and have a look. Well, yeah, but I couldn't <laughs> squeeze it and take out what's in there. And I couldn't bring it home because you're not allowed to bring things like that home. Um, but um, it's it's great. But I'm just off to Wales for the Jubilee weekend. And there's a beautiful forest up there that's just um, hanging full of moss. So I'd definitely be taking some samples from that to bring back. So for this particular experiment, have you got your own specific website for Moss Safari? Yeah. Um, or is it a subset somewhere else? Uh, so where can people... Um, is it mossafari.com? What is it? I wish it was, but it's mossafari <laughs> on WordPress. So okay. uh, if you are on Twitter, it's at mossafari. I managed to get that. So it's at mossafari. It's very easy to find there. And then you find all the links to that. I've also got a Facebook page and I've just started some Instagram, but I'm a bit behind on Instagram. I'm not as up with the kids yet, but I'm getting there. So if if um if schools want to get in contact and have a, a personal a Dr. Grevac Moss Safari um session, would they is the best place to contact you via Twitter with it on the, at Moss Safari? Yeah, absolutely. There's a contact page on the website as well, but you can get in touch with me there. Um, what I'm doing, I mean, I love to be able to do these things, but, um, you know, travel and time in it is a hobby. It's not actually part of my normal work. So, okay, um, okay. so, <laughs> so, <laughs> I, absolutely. I'm not sure I will be inundated. I'm always <laughs> happy to explore opportunities. So I'm not going to say no to anything, but um, I, I, you know, I can't um, guarantee that I'll be, uh, be able to, to come and see you, but I might be able to do something online. Um, but the important thing is equipping other people to be able to do it themselves. Yeah. So I think once you've seen one, you feel ready to do it yourself. And there's re downloadable resources on the website. They're totally free. You just download them, use them, adapt them, use them for your kids. And people are really enjoying doing that. Okay, so science. It seems that science teachers could use it either as a, um, as a fun activity in terms of um, you know maybe in the, uh, when they've got free or free time maybe in the summer, but also equally 
if it's constructed well, they, they could just in, integrate it into their curriculum and, and, and look at things. Maybe you're looking at magnification calculations, for example. You know, that's a, that's a key thing in, uh, you know, 1116 that they could, I guess they could use it for that, could they? Absolutely. I think, uh, you know, we the way we use microscopes in school is very, very restricted. Um, and, uh, you know, I think what, what perhaps, the, you know, one of your early experiences in year seven with your first microscope could be a drop of water from moss because that would just open your world to biodiversity, to all the possibilities. You see big cells um, swimming around in there that've got all these adaptations on them. It would be an amazing starting point and then you can build on from there. But also amoeba, we have to cover amoeba and actually seeing a living amoeba. I've watched one for an hour and a half just watching it do its thing because they're just incredible the way they eat, or the way they engulf things, the way they move around. They're just it's just amazing and you know we don't have our time also with children, you know, if they haven't got their own microscope in school, it's they don't have much ownership over over that and i think science clubs are a way forward i've done a science club with my local um, school over four weeks where you know i show them the first week and then the next three weeks is just them having a microscope for an hour an hour and a half just living it enjoying it working it out learning how to use it and i think that that is you know something if you can give children the opportunity to do that they can see themselves doing science Definitely. And I was thinking, is there any, um, I mean, it, why is moss so special in a sense? Could you do it with bits, tiny samples of soil, I suppose, or could you do it? What is it about moss that's better, perhaps, uh, for this type of activity? Or is it, better, you know, any thoughts, kind of the biology of why is moss such a good one to use? It's because it's an extreme environment itself. So you've got some lovely extreme organisms in there. Um, it also, I mean, I've got in front of me right now, I've got some slightly mouldy moss. It's been there a bit while, but I've got my microscope on my desk. Um, the reason it works so well is because you don't get a lot of detritus in there. If you do it with, because there are organisms that live in soil, but soil is so particulate that you just get this whole sort of loads of particles and it's very hard to filter them out. The good thing about moss is you can filter them out. Lichen as well is also very, very good. And I've had, um, I had a bit of a project I gave myself and it's something you could again do with a, a school project. I had a, a I was on a dog walk after one of those storms earlier this year and um, loads of trees had lost their, their branches. And I got this lovely bit of branch with so many different lichen and moss samples just on it. That I bought it home and I just took, took them off and looked at what organisms were in each one so I could see, compare them. And the moss, no, the, the lichen has amazing stuff in it as well. Uh, very similar things. But um, yeah, it's fascinating. Um, I definitely think that people should kind of embrace this and I uh, do encourage you to have a look at the, the Twitter page and the, and the web page because I think it's really good stuff and I think the the, uh, the young people love um, engaging in it. I think it's a really interesting project. Um, thanks for telling, telling us about it, Andy. Um, I just wanted to finish off with a few questions because your other kind of, uh, um, I suppose your, your main job is obviously teach, teacher training in, in, in science um, and we're recording this in May 2022. Um, uh, I've been reading, as always, uh, problems in science uh, retention, science recruitment. Um, how are things for kind of the recruiting side of things? I guess it's a bit slightly early before people start applying. Any kind of inklings you're getting for September 2022? How are things looking down with you in Brighton? So down in Brighton, we're, we're doing OK, um, better than we thought we were. 
but we know there's a real national issue. Um, we're not doing better than we normally do year by year, but we're doing better than we thought we were going to under the current circumstances. So um, fingers crossed we'll, we'll have a, um, a reasonable size cohort by the end of um, by, by September. Um, so it's a trickle, literally two interviews, something like that a week. Um, you know, it's, it's nothing, um, nothing to write home about. There's no big rush knocking at the door, um, you know, it's, uh, which is a sad thing. But, um, you know, it's, it's tough times and uh, I, it'll be interesting to see if this sort of uh, recession dip will have a because uh, it often does have you know recession means more teachers um so we'll see if that that happens but um yeah it, it's it's not um inspiring at the moment it is concerning and still the same challenges of difficulties in physics and chemistry more than biology or is it yep Physics is dire. Um, I heard a quote the other day that even if we, uh, with the target the government have given us um, as a as a country, um, the uh, even if we employed all of the graduates this year from physics who have a physics degree, we would not have we would not meet that target. So um, there's okay. um, a big you know, ask. It's a big ask. So and it is a big problem. So um, yep, I don't know quite what we're going to do, but um, just keep encouraging them to get in. You know. <laughs> and um and i guess i suppose you you in your in your part of the university do you involved in computer science as well or is that a separate no topic? i don't i don't have anything to do with that so i can't really give you any information no. <laughs> okay that's fine um so anything else you're planning over next year so obviously uh, you must safari hopefully go from strength to strength is there any other interesting projects you're kind of uh, working over the next six months six to twelve months um you'd like to share yeah, I mean, um, Moss Safari definitely will continue. And I, I do it usually between January and um, sort of now. Um, yeah. That's the, the time it's it happens most because that's when Moss is its wettest, but things are moving around in it. Um, so that will happen. I'd love to write a book on that um, at some point as well. Um, and maybe, you know, get my own TV thing like Steve Backshaw. I'd be the Steve Backshaw of the Moss world. The that's Moss my world, dream. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, apart from that, um, getting good teachers into teaching teaching and supporting existing teachers in teaching through um, I work with the ASE on RISE which is the Retention Initiative in Science Education which is a way of supporting science departments keeping their science teachers so um, if you're interested in that that's worth following up definitely mental health in in teachers um, that's a thing I work a lot on and more and more um, about how to support mental health always working in schools in some way and that's what I really like you know how, that's how my that's how my job works um, you know I'm thinking about curriculum I'm thinking about teacher well-being um, which is recruitment and attention in, in there as well and um, you know the big the uh, the Moss Safari is nice in that as well you know it's a nice little sideline so if people would like to get, other than the atmosphere, if people want to see what you're up to, are you quite active on Twitter? What's your Twitter handle again? Yeah, my my Twitter handle is grevster73. Um, so um, that's if you can. That's G-E-G-R-E-V. Yeah, S-T-E-R 73. I was called Grevster when I was a kid and that sort of stuck there. Stuck, okay. Not in life now, um, <laughs> I, but um, that's it. And uh, I'm approaching 50, hence the 73. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, um, that's the best way to contact me. Or, you know, if you type, type my name in you'll get me at uh, you'll get me email up from brighton or wherever anyway so you know always happy to hear from people cool well thank you very much for joining me this afternoon i am now much better informed into the into the moss safari and i'm going to be uh, suggesting uh, any schools i go into and they have a look at that because i think it's such a great opportunity for young people to look at something that's kind of 
around us all the time, but I think that, that look, trying to get that wonder in the everyday is I think is really important part of science teaching. And I think that this activity seems a great way of doing that. So thanks very much for joining me this afternoon, Andy. Thank you so much, Andy. Well, what a voyage we've been on today. I hope you've enjoyed hearing all about Dr. Gravatt's Moss Safari and that you'll be embarking on one in the near future with your students. I'll leave some links in the notes so you can further explore this great activity. Do you know any teachers in your school who have rustled up some cool experiments recently? I'd love to hear from you. Please feel free to send me an email. You can find me at andy.words at pearson.com. I promise to read every message. Take care and I'll see you on the next one.